Hey, ladies. Your old pal, Herschel Weingold. You like oh, that? damn it. Herschel's... Okay, keep going, Herschel. Sorry, I wasn't expecting you to show up, but that's all right. All right, go ahead, Herschel. <laughs> As I was saying, it's your old pal, Herschel Weingold. You like to cook? Nah, no one does. Who are you? Rachel Ray? Hell no. <clears throat> over in our brand new freezer section over at Slim Jim's Smooth Booze and Smokes, we got our new frozen selection of tasty treats. Come by and try our not-quite-beef beef stroganoff. Yeah, nice, creamy, beefy, we don't know, but tasty anyway. Don't cook too hot, it goes nuclear. It's over by our, our brand new wine rack. All wine bottles, one dollar. Right. Herschel. Yes. Is there anything in the wine bottles? Maybe. I'm not or quite is sure. It, is it basically a, a Russian roulette of possible wine? It might be wine. It, just oh, like it might, might be wine. Okay. Just like okay. it might be beef, I'm not really sure. Anyway, come on by the Slim Jim's Booze and Smokes and Stroganoff off the off the belt line. Help Heuschel send you to get five percent off. I think I think we need to <laughs> I, we need to contact uh, a doctor. Uh, some sort. I'm worried about Herschel. <laughs> Herschel. I realize Herschel's paying us good money to to run ads. You know, to pivot to ads on our show, but he needs. I mean, like, like I'm concerned. I have concerns about Herschel's well-being, mentally, spiritually. Like, I don't know where, what, what's, what could be in the beef stroganoff is what I want to ask Herschel right now. Um, but I, 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 we, I digress. Some things are best not known. Let's just say that. I guess. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. If I'm willing to eat, you know. Uh, a hot dog from a gas station. I could try not, maybe, maybe not beef stroganoff. I think it's just MSG. <laughs> what, what does coagulated MSG look like? Does it look like stroganoff? Maybe it looks like tofu. Who knows? That's right. <laughs> to tofu and tofu and sodium. <laughs> Tofudium. <laughs> that's it. That's what beats Thanos. Yes. Just don't put it in the toilet. It'll blow up. <laughs> Gross. Well, welcome to Cult Cinema Catacombs, folks. Speaking of the toilet, <laughs> um, I am your raspy host, Roy. I'm sorry, I'm I'm getting over a cold, so I'm sorry about the raspy voice. And of course, with me is uh, Andy here. Hey, everybody, I'm ready. Um, so we are. Our last film really caught us by surprise on how good it was, and. It tied into, as we mentioned, the aspect that we wanted to do with this show about forgotten films. And this one kind of goes into that line as well. I mean, it's definitely a cult film, but it's a cult film that many people don't know about. And I feel that it deserves to be known because of everything that's involved with it. Um, our film that we're looking at is the 1983 animated movie Rock and Rule. <laughs> Otherwise known as uh, Ralph Bashke's Tumescent Dream. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I imagine him just looking at this and being like, yeah, okay, all right, whatever, guys. Um, also, otherwise, the other one I came up with earlier today was, who gave Grant Morrison a Disney XD show? <laughs> oh, wow. Which is pretty much what I'm getting from this. <laughs> The the animation is is incredible, and I I really hope that you you do love this because it's there's a lot going on with this. It's um it's done by a company called Nelvana or Nelvana, however you want to pronounce them. They're can, they're Canadian animation company. Nirvana. No, Nelvana. Oh. We'll we'll touch on that later, producer Chris. I have thoughts. <laughs> um. They they are a Canadian animation based company. Um, this was actually the first full length animated movie to come from Canada. Also, really, yes. Um, yeah. Nelvana did a lot of like specials in the seventies and everything, and it got you know some some attention and everything. But it was still kind of considered underground. Really didn't make any noise here in America until. A television special called The Devil and Daniel Mouse came out in 1978. Um, this thing was such a 
huge hit. Uh, it was you know re- it was rebroadcast over and over and over. I've um, seen that. Like yes. like I'm old enough to have seen that. Not like the original airing, but I'm old enough to have seen it. Yeah, it inspired you know material and everything else. Nelvana also went on to um, animate the animated segment of the Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, for shit's sake. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were um, going to get there at some point. I just didn't realize it was going to be this soon into the show. I thought it would be like 30 episodes or something like that before we hit that wall. But. <laughs> which, which, is on, which is honestly the really the only watchable moment of that special um, is their little animated segment. But they had so much popularity with the devil and Daniel Mouse and the merchandise that was created for it that they decided, let's take the devil and Daniel Mouse, which is based off the classic story, the devil and Daniel Lewis, and expand it into a movie. Um, While they are working on this movie, they're working on other projects like Inspector Gadget... Herself the Elf, Strawberry Shortcake, Mad Balls, The Get Along Gang, um, most famously the Alvin and the Chipmunks, and also the Chipmunk Adventure. Um, even recently, uh, The Fairly Odd Parents. I mean, it's so you know they're a well-known animated animation company. Um, this was their first time making a movie. This didn't succeed uh, where the Chipmunk Adventure did. But had it been not for this movie, it probably had it been not for this movie, Nelvana probably would have disappeared because even though the film bombed, it got the attention of Hollywood, and they started saying, "Here, take this property. Let's let's do this. Let's do that, and and, and everything." I mean, they even did an animated um, Doctor Who series that they were planning, but it never happened. Um. They also started doing uh, a lots more animation. Like they did the series Droids, they did the Ewoks, uh, they did the animated segment um, for the Three Amigos, uh, Whoopi Goldberg's Burglar. I, they've done a lot of stuff. I had a Whoopi Goldberg joke earlier that I was going to <laughs> serious, but I I don't remember what it was. So I had something to do with Sam Shepard and beef. It's what's for dinner, which would have tied back to the opening. Uh, <laughs> Calls. I. It was a whole thing. But um, this is this is probably their passion project that they did out of everything, and, un- and unfortunately, it gloriously bombed. Which is amazing considering the cast that's involved with this. Uh, you have um, you have Paula Matt who was in American Graffiti. Um, you have Susan Roman, Debbie Harry, Lou Reed, Iggy Pop. Um, I see who else. You got music by Earth, Wind, and Fire in this thing, and Cheap Trick. Uh, originally, um, the villain in the movie, that, which I cannot wait to see your reaction to, uh, Mock, the guy with the lips. Um, originally, listen, <laughs> white privilege Jafar needs to get off my TV. <laughs> um, originally considered uh, before they settled on. Um, um, before they uh, settled on Lou Reed, uh, we were going to have David Bowie, Tim Curry, Mick Jagger, which would have been appropriate with the lips, um, <laughs> Sting, and, and even Michael Jackson, which I can't see, honestly. Um, and what's interesting is is that uh, Mock's full name, which is not really mentioned in the movie, but his full name is Mock Swagger, which is a riff off of Mick Jagger, which explains the lips. Yeah, um, the 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 movie take, basically takes the story of the devil and Daniel Lewis and the devil of Daniel Mouse and expands on it and sets it in a post-apocalyptic world where humans have all died, the animals lived, and the animals have become anthropomorphic and taken on a lot of human abilities, and. Um, it also involves rock music and Satanism, and um, <laughs> there's a lot. There, uh, there's a lot for, going on in this drug use. I mean, you name it, <laughs> it's going like on. Like the first thing that hit me was I recognize the animation style. Mm-hmm. Like you, you see it, and you, and, and it, 
it's a, it immediately resonates like you you recognize what it looks like. And what did I write you after watching it? It was something like uh, uh, something about Goofy Cobain. Because yes. there's that one dog character that looks like Goofy. Oh, that yeah. I kept referring to as Goofy Cobain. Stretch, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we come back to uh, to Nirvana. <laughs> um, no, like I, I'm 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 super into this. Like the trailer doesn't give you anything, and it is not nearly metal enough. Yeah. So I'm hoping that the movie is super metal. Well, it's got musical numbers. I mean, you've got you got Debbie Harry, you got Lou Reed, and you got Iggy Pop. So of course you're going to have musical numbers in this thing. Um, this movie was um, it was released. It was picked up by MGM for domestic release in 1982, but it wasn't released until 1983. Um, and it was picked up by MGM. However, it at the time. Animated adult movies were starting to become really passe. I, I, in the 70s, we had Fritz the Cat. We had Lord of the Rings. We had Watership Down. Uh, we had American Pop, um, Heavy Traffic, and all those. Heavy, a lot metal, of, heavy metal. Yeah, heavy metal. A lot of the Ralph, ba- a lot of the, um, Ralph Bashke and Heavy Metal and Foot stuff. Those were big with adults. But then animated features started seeing more as Child's Fair. So adult animated movies really started declining in popularity. And because of the um, extreme um, implications of Satanism and drug use and sexuality and even profanity in this movie, um, it had to be an adult film. And um, it bombed (laughs) because they couldn't sell this to kids. Um, And audiences initially just didn't understand the concept of this film. Uh, however, over the years, those who have discovered the movie have realized that it honestly deserved a better shake than it got, um, especially not just because of the incredible soundtrack in this thing, but because of the animation style itself. Well, and keep in mind, when did it come out? 79? Uh, no, 83. Eight, oh, so 83 is dead in the heart. Of the Satanic Panic, yes. uh, I, I'm surprised that um, that uh, Clint Howard's face wasn't plastered <laughs> all over the cover of this thing. Um, well, the demon yeah, kind of so, looks like Clint Howard in this movie, as you'll see. So <laughs> there's uh, that. I don't need that. I already had that. Um, <laughs> no, but that's that's definitely if and you and I lived through that. Oh yeah, and I played Dungeons and Dragons and read comic books all the way through it. Um, so that whole thing was was a big deal, and up until that point, you know, in the seventies, you could get you know that was something you started to be able to get away with. You know, you had some more Anton Lavey type stuff and um, Jack Parsons and and your Chaos Magic, and, and that started to be because it because it bordered on that hippy dippy enough that you could get away with it. But in the eighties, with the with 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 the Reagans, you were done, son. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's understandable that that bombed. I mean, there's like there's, I remember there's one scene in the movie where they they go to a club and the club's called Club Six Six Six. The the drugs that they use are called Edison balls, if I remember right. Um, and the, there's there, there's the these balls of electricity that hypnotize you and just make you go basically like your eye on pot. Um, and you know, some religions have issues with anthropomorphic animals as well. So, uh, yeah, that aspect too. But over the years, I, it's it's a it's it's one of those films that is kind of rare to find. But when you do stumble upon it, thank you, internet, you definitely will discover that you've experienced something big that should have yeah. been bigger. I when this movie came out, I for 1983. Or for even as long as it took for this film to make, if I remember right, it took like five years to make this movie. As they started on it immediately after The Devil and Daniel Mouse, it cost eight million dollars to make this movie. Which back then for an animated movie, a lot of movies, that's a, a lot, lot of, money. of money. And and you see it all on the screen. I mean, the animation is so fluid, especially on mock. It's absolutely fluid. 
there was there was no rotoscoping done or anything. Everything was done frame by frame by hand. The movie only grossed thirty thousand dollars in the box office. It was mm-hmm. a massive bomb. Never, it's never recovered its money whatsoever. Even with video sales, because video sales for it have been pretty lean, unfortunately. Um, it's like it's one of those movies where it comes out and they only do limited pressings and then it's gone. Um, I mean, I don't even know how they're able to pay uh, the you know the estates for the the music that's used in this film uh, because especially you know Debbie Harry since she's still alive, Lou Reed has passed away, but. Debbie Harry and Iggy Pop and um, Cheap Trick and Earth, Wind & Fire are still around. So I don't know how they got their money for it, but I hope they got paid for this film. <laughs> well, I think a lot of it, too, is just the, you know, once you get one to sign on, everybody jumps into that and, and starts, it, it, you know, and jumps onto it. So gloms on. So I, I imagine they're not too concerned with their money for this movie. Like <laughs> they were a part of something, you know? But I, there, there, like I said, there is a silver lining to this film because the people who created this went on to bigger and better things. Uh, I mean, their, their, their most famous element being, of course, Alvin and the Chipmunks in the 80s, which was huge throughout the 80s. Um, and, of course, the Chipmunk Adventure, which was a, of a huge box office film when it came out in the 80s as well. So... I, eventually, Nelvana, they, while they never recouped their money off of this film, they definitely made their money. Just not on this. They did it with Alvin and the Chipmunks. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, which is a movie we will not cover on this. We're not going to do the Alvin and the Chipmunks adventure movie because that should just stay in the 80s. Um, Thank you. We need one with Jason Lee. <laughs> no, not the one. With, no, I feel bad for Jason Lee actually in those movies. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, you poor guy. There, where's Kevin Smith when you need him? Well, he's coming back, so yeah. he's, he's got Jason Lee in his wake again. So good for him. <laughs> and this movie is also relatively short. It's only an hour and seventeen minutes, so it's not that long of a film. Um, but I, I, again, like you said, once you see how much blood sweat and tears and money was put into the animation i don't think how they they could have made this movie any longer because you it the movie looks expensive it really does yeah i mean well in the trailer i mean the trailer doesn't give you anything besides you know names metal rock goofy metal <laughs> satan metal lou reed metal guitar so like <laughs> So I'm just, you know, I'm just saying that, uh, but, but, but the animation looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious to see, to see how, to see what it is, because I've never seen this. So, and it's, that's quite a big miss for me because I was into the adult animation movies. I, I was into Wizards and Fire and Ice and you know, all of the, all of the Bashki movies and the Lord of the Rings stuff back in the day. And mm. so like the fact that I, I missed this is kind of shocking to me, to be frank. Well, I mean, seeing how much money it made in the box office, it probably just came and went so fast that, I mean, to, I mean, to, even, even though in the eighties, the, the movie theaters were not as dense as they are today making thirty thousand dollars in the box office in 1983 that's that's bomb that's gigantic bomb i mean this was i mean, think about it, this was also the year that we had um like um raiders. we had raiders of the lost ark this year we had you know return of the jedi this year so you know there was a lot going on in 83 did it, too did it never get picked up by you know hbo or anything back you know back when that was the thing that happened not from what I've seen. I mean, um, I it was shown on Canadian broadcasting companies a lot because of it being, you know, from Canada, but not really here in America. It was released on home video um, in 1984 and on Laserdisc in 1986, but they went out of print so fast. Um, 
The thing is, is it was mismarketed when they came out on Home Video in America. They were saying that this was a Ralph Bashkin movie when it's not. Mm, yeah. Um, I mean, you could, you could actually request a copy on VHS from Nelvana um, in Canada, but they charged $80 per cassette. So it was rental prices. Yeah, pretty much. Um, the film was released on DVD in 2005 from Unearthed Films. Then on Blu-ray um, in 2010, um, it also contained the animated short The Devil and Daniel Mouse and um, a couple of other things. Um, you got the theatrical cut of the movie and then you've also got a, a cut of the original print that was taken from a VHS source because the original print of this movie is destroyed. Uh, however, those copies are now out of print as well and going for boo-boo bucks online. The, really? Yeah, the closest that we ever got to a television broadcast of this was clips of it was shown during a Lou Reed interview on the USA Network show Night Flight. Was it? Yes. Oh. And Marvel Comics actually published a comic book adaptation that actually used artwork um, as part of the Marvel Super Special series, but it was extreme. It, it, the comics sold well, even though it had a very limited release. But yeah, in, in America, it really wasn't shown as much as it is in Canada. Okay. So I mean, that that makes sense. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um. So with that said, are you ready to dive into the world of rock and rule? Dude, I was born ready. Uh, the, uh, the, you know, Ario Speedwagon, Fog Hat, <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel, Jim Croce, The Carpenters. Let's do this. <laughs> God, yeah, The Carpenters. That would stick out like a sore thumb in this film. So. <laughs> Engelbert Humperdinck. Um, Motorhead featuring Olivia Newton-John. Motorhead featuring Olivia Newton-John. Yes. Yes. Libby, Libby and the Pips. Um, it, it's just across the board. Yeah, I'm ready. Men at Work with special guest Bjork. Oh, I would actually. That's not. That would probably be awesome. <laughs> For those who want to watch along, this movie is available on YouTube in its entirety. You can watch it there, and while watching it, also keep in mind that there was no computer animation used in this movie whatsoever. Even the special effects shots were hand-drawn. So prepare yourselves, and, and I, I really encourage you to go watch this movie, and Andy and I will be right back with our reactions. Rock and rule. Good band, hot music, the best of times. It could have lasted forever. And rule. Journey to a world where the cosmic forces of music, magic, and technology collide, bringing you head to head with a beast from another dimension. The Beauty, songs by Deborah Harry. The Beast, songs by Lou Reed and Iggy Pop. The Beat, songs by Cheap Trick and Earth, Wind and Fire. Okay, so I don't remember the movie being that manic. Um, it was a four-hour movie that they took and made an hour and fifteen minutes. They, yeah, they really crammed everything that they could into that film in just seventy-five minutes. Um, yeah, I, I just, I was like, I remember just sitting there, and I'm like, okay, maybe it was the slight ADD as a kid or when I was younger that made made me. You know, just sit there and go, oh, wow, watching this thing. But now in my 40s, I'm looking at this and I'm like, 
you know, you can slow down a little bit and <laughs> there's some beats you can take here. <laughs> I knew it was going to be a problem when there was, when in a 75 minute movie, five of the 75 minutes, whatever the ratio is there was ADR at the beginning, explaining the world that it was going to be. Yes. And I'm like, hey, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be something in a post-apocalyptic world after world war. F- what was it? World war. F- That's war- Pop, right? Yeah. Okay. And it's just like, and then he's like, and then you know, the animals have turned into humans and rock music yeah. and magic <laughs> and blood. And my show on iHeartRadio, <laughs> I talk about Bruce Springsteen's bowl for four hours a day. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's like, literally like, okay, here's Mock. And while we're in, being introduced to Mock, concert, 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 concert. And it was just, I mean... You, you, there's no, not even a chance to get a whiplash in this movie because, okay, if anybody is old enough to remember the Maxwell cassette cassette ad, where the guy sits in the lounge chair and presses yeah. play on a stereo and just gets blasted, that's the effect this movie has. Imagine watching Labyrinth at two point five speed. <laughs> With a lot more sex magic going on. Oh, yeah, baby. You want to talk about some uh, left-hand path chaos? Actually, actually, it's more right-hand path chaos magic because there's a lot more... Um, there, there are a lot more ritual involved. Um, it definitely, I think there was an, the, the alluded to sex magic happening there that they weren't going to animate, which was weird because we did get to see some sweet... Um, Chest rubbing. What looked like whatever Goofy's brother was in uh, in Disney. Oh, stretch. Yeah, like like whatever her name was. We get to see some of her sweet sweet ass climbing around up in the vents. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like, with her tattoos. Like I, I was, it's like we're watching, it and Chris was like, "Oh, she better not fart." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, like there. There was some fairly accurate um, portrayals of like magic with a K happening in this thing. From, oh yeah, from, from needing the right sigils to to using the right um, rituals to having the right pieces in place to summoning, you know, uh, Parsons and uh, oh, what was the name of the guy that started uh, the Church of Scientology? Oh, L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah, yeah. LHR tried to summon an, uh, an elemental. At one point in the you know in the early days of, of their lives, I think that, that them summoning whatever kind of music beast <laughs> from the nethers, um, and and that wasn't CG, right? None of this movie was CG. Yeah, that that's that's the that's the amazing thing uh, that still amazes me about yeah. this movie is that none of it was CGI. It was all done by hand, especially the hell beast that gets summoned from rock and roll hell or wherever it comes from. I just am looking at it and I'm like, I can't believe that that was all hand drawn. That's just, it's just, it's amazing. Right? Like, it looked really good. Yeah. Like, they did a good job. Um, I was, I was actually pretty impressed with, with it. Um, even like the simplest effect with, uh, in the beginning of the film when Mock is looking for the voice and the, the computer, I love that he had a computer assistant to assist him with the spell casting. Um, but she brings up the pattern and the missing piece and the way that it had the three dimensional look to it. I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't believe that's hand drawn because it had smarter, like a, not harder, dude. Mock yeah. works smarter, not harder. <laughs> <laughs> what well, you made a really good comment to me since we're getting in because the first thing you see in Mock anyway are Mock's weird lips. Like, oh god, they, the they had to have their, they had to have their own animation team for those lips alone. <laughs> <laughs> They had seven guys just working on Mox lips <laughs> at a room. I, I told you, I was like, Eon Flux called and just wants his lips back. <laughs> they, they just, they, 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 there was sex magic going on with those lips. And I, I love the scene when he goes up to Angel and kisses Angel's hand and the smart ass on the band is like, you need to disinfect that hand. <laughs> it's like, oh, that, that was some gay sass going on there. Well, there was some illusions there, too, with the drummer, for sure. Oh, yeah. Like, when they were in the weird club with the Earth, Wind, and Fire song. Oh, God. 
and he was hitting on the transgender rat, whatever it was, or I the, the, the that was the thing is is that you, the only one that you could clearly tell what animal it used to be was the nightclub owner, the the slimy rat guy, because he he still looked like a rat. Right. Everyone else, I'm like, what animal did you used to be? I I can't. But like a, like an amalgam of like a dog rat thing, like <laughs> all of them. Like, yeah, I'm just the, like, except for Mock. Apparently, Mock survived whatever the apocalypse was, and he just looks like the cadaver of. Yeah, do you remember that movie? What was the movie that had a uh, Free Jack? I'm gonna start calling him just Free Jack. <laughs> That's what he looked like. Well, I mean, I mean, Mock basically was a rotoscope of Iggy Pop. Base, I, 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 it looks, it looked like because he kind of looked like Iggy Pop. With new wave hair and fangs, so I it, just the way that he moved and everything. It was like it was like it was like Icky Pop's body with Lou Reed's voice. Yeah, and, and sort of Mick Jagger's head. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I was like a cockatrice of weird rock and roll. Oh god! During the the my name is Mock musical number. Oh man! Yep. When the backup singers came out of nowhere and the, girls, the girls. girls, and then when they were singing the lyric of his name is Mock and that's a lot, all of a sudden Chris is like, his lips are big, so he must suck cock. I was like, uh, I, I knew Firestein could sing, but I didn't know <laughs> Firestein could sing. <laughs> Oh my god! And the 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 light show that went on during that musical number when he said that he's on fire, but then he turns into sex glitter dust. Yeah, and <laughs> like, but he's cool. Yes. He's on fire, but he's cool. <laughs> I'm like, mm, this is making me uncomfortable for eleven o'clock in the evening. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the the musical number ends by him turning into an album cover from a Rush album out of nowhere. <laughs> That's sex magic, dude. That's some <laughs> that's some right hand sex magic. I like that he had his own dirigible. Yes, <laughs> I, that's a status symbol right there. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna fly to, and it wasn't New York. It was Nuke York in the movie, um, which made me go ugh with the pun. But he had the dirigible just suddenly, like, okay, we're out of here. Bye. <laughs> it was like hometown, and and. and Nuke York was four hours from hometown, but that's the only things you get in the entire movie. Yeah. There's nothing in between Nuke York and hometown. You're just, you're in hometown, then you're in Nuke York, and it happens so damn fast. Like, like, where is his, sit, you know, like, like, Citadel <laughs> at? Like, what? Where was that? Is that in hometown? It was, was in hometown. In- yeah, apparently he had that citadel and concert venue set up in hometown, and which, which you know, what made me go, you know, it, when you know they go to New York to do this concert to raise the demon, and it and it fails, and they realize that the power source was in hometown. I'm thinking, you know, maybe you should have researched that before you decided to destroy New York. I would have fired my computer assistant. <laughs> At that point, I would be like, "Bitch!" Oh, and I will not tell me this. I love that his manager and his PR director and his lawyer were also computer programs. Yes, that all had the same voice. Like there were a lot of conflicting ideas, but I I will say this: like everything, as fast paced as it was, as insanely frenetic, and you know, like you said, this is a good negative one or zero to whatever the next three movies you're putting out to me are because it sets the pace kind of for what's coming. Um, it did include a lot of pretty cool ideas and I think that they did execute them pretty well. I like, I was never, I was never lost. I never thought I needed the kangaroo food of knowledge in order to figure <laughs> out. <what's going> <laughs> nice, nice callback. <laughs> like, like I felt like, I, I was in it, you know, I knew what was going on. I was happy with, I, I enjoyed the movie thoroughly, but it was, it was fast. It was it happened very fast. fast. Yeah. Cause they, what they have like the, the open mic night was the, it opens on an open mic night in hometown. They sing their song. Mock comes in. 
um, the 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 owner of the I mean I can literally give you the plot in three minutes. Like usually we struggle to like stick with the script, but like the the owner of the the nightclub says I got your singer. It's her. Um, who's and who's, who's it's the voice is not Debbie Harry, but the singing voice is Debbie Harry. Yeah, that I will tell you this. It was a li- it, it was one of those things that's a little jarring when they go from the regular speaking voice to the singing voice of whoever it was. Yeah. Because they're so different. Like I'm pretty For sure both this, characters, yeah. The band was Cheap Trick, right? Um the band was Cheap Trick and she, she yeah, was Debbie, she was Debbie Harry. Harry, yeah. And Mock was Lou Reed. Mock was the only one, and I think it's because Lou Reed didn't who no? Somebody else voiced Mock, but it was a professional voice actor that could do Lou Reed. Now here's, now, here's the interesting thing: is that the guy who voiced Mock, the non-singing voice of Mock, was also the voice of Bobo Fett on the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yes, a lot of people on this worked on. I noticed one thing in particular: they worked on one of the Bashki movies. Mm-hmm. I think it was Wizard. I think it was Wizards that they worked on um, when I was looking through their credits. But that was a little jarring. But that being said, Mock steals the girl. They they kind of then figure out that Mock has taken the girl, and then they go to to save her. They get tied up with Mock and get drugged, mm-hmm. and then Mock steals the girl, flies to uh, New York, tries to do the thing, doesn't work. Flies to hometown to get the power source. They they you know summons it. They drive it back, and the end of the movie. Yeah. There it is. So, yeah, the yeah Mock gets movie. Mock gets sucked down to hell with it. And, yeah, and, yeah. and out of nowhere, we have Catherine O'Hara as a, oh, as, the mom. as 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 the tattoo artist mom. Out yes. of nowhere, <laughs> and I guess that serves as sort of like if you're looking at the Joseph Campbell story circle, like she's the the oracle, like that tells them what they need to know so that they can go, you know, save save her. I mm-hmm. guess, like, but that's the only purpose I can see for her being there is the voice of like, you know, she's not doing this. He's taken her. Go save her, and then they go get her, like. I guess I don't know. And apparently, in this post World War Four uh, world, where animals have become um, humans, basically, it's easy to steal cop cars. Yeah, what's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> and drive them for five hours without getting caught, without getting pulled over or anything. I, I was like, wow, really? And it's like it happens not once but twice in this film, and I'm going. Wow, you cops are incompetent in the future. Yeah. You'll you'll arrest uh, a a a, sh- a a real shitty man for being in a fountain, but you won't <laughs> arrest him for driving five hours in a stolen cop car. Yeah. Well, because apparently in the future, as, as we discovered, it's a crime to be in a fountain wearing the wrong wrong clothing. I guess uh, <laughs> that was actually what they were being arrested for. <laughs> I'm like, really. So if they had the right clothing, it would have been okay for them to waller in the fountain. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anti, like, like there was just that, that little bit of like punk rock anti-establishment in it, but it was so minute. Like, I wonder if there's another twenty minutes of this movie somewhere <laughs> oh. that we didn't get to see. I'm not saying it was again. Like, I think that if if there is, they cut down enough. They kept the right parts in it to, to keep the movie cogent and salient. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if somewhere there's another 20 minutes of this film. Who knows? <laughs> I will say, though, that the, the, if there is a moment that allows us to take anything that is an equivalent of a breather, but really not an equivalent of a breather, it is the nightclub scene with Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> but um, you, you really just get a few moments to breathe before the band starts like exploring all of the boobs in the nightclub. <laughs> and apparently it must have been cold in that nightclub because nipples were popping all over the place through the clothing of men and women. And I'm like, you know, maybe they need to turn on a heater in there because the, the, it's like you can't help but stare at the nipples during this. They're, they're animated nipples bouncing all over the place. 
Did they refer to that as a zero G nightclub? <laughs> yes, Club Six. I'm not sure what that means. Yeah, it was but, a zero okay. G nightclub called Club Six Six Six, which had nothing to do with like the devil or demonology. No, I thought it was going to be more with the whole you know demonology and sex magic that Mock was dealing with, but nope, just a name. That's it. <laughs> and I guess, I, I, yeah, the Zero G, I don't know. I guess maybe because we didn't see a floor, yet they were running around like they were running on a floor and hiding under tables like they were hiding under a table. But there was no floor animated whatsoever. They just had them just all over the place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really want... To, to I, I'm looking to see if there was like a, a more movie to this. Um, Canada had one that was uncut, but I don't know what that means. Probably more cleavage. <laughs> Probably more nips floating around. More, more cold nips floating around. Maybe, may, maybe during the, uh, the the climax when uh, Angel is strapped down, all like she's on the cover of a Molly Hatchet album, then maybe she had a nip slip or something. Who knows? Because it looked like she was about ready to just plop out like a dog in a wicker basket. Yeah, it, it did look a little like... There was the scene where she was tied up and singing. Yes. It, it, it did look a little like... Um, I'm, I'm going to be crass. I don't care. It did look a little like Boston was raw-dogging a Molly Hatchet album. Um, <laughs> It's like, it's like you're seeing it and you're expecting to hear the music of Meatloaf coming out all of a sudden, but instead you get Debbie Harry. Yeah, I know. Yeah, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> wow. That's, yep. that's for all the Meatloaf fans out there. Uh, three Meatloaf fans out there. We call them Loafies. <laughs> Sending out the newsletter ballots. That's what we're getting. <laughs> But uh, the film is available. Uh, somebody had the decency to load it up on YouTube. But you definitely, I, I would say this is one of those films that you've got to see to believe. Because not only for the manicness of, of the film, but on a, on a more serious note, just how beautifully animated it is. There, there was so much love put into the animation on this film. That again, you just sit there, and th there are moments in this movie that you find hard to believe that were done by hand and not by computer. It's a great. Honestly, it's it's a fun movie too. Mm -hmm. Like I would suggest it just to anybody who's into like cult movies or, or adult animated movies, or or are into. There are you know a lot of people out there like me who are into Lou Reed and Iggy Pop and that time period in music that didn't know or don't know that this exists. Mm -hmm. So it's a nice little slice of kind of counterculture Americana that I don't think a lot of people know is out there. Especially coming from a country like Canada. So because when you, when you think Canada, you don't think counterculture. You, 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 you don't. <laughs> you just don't. No, I mean, that's true. <laughs> that's valid. So, so it's interesting to see a product like this because it came from Canada – but it feels so much like a U.S. British anarchy in the '80s punk film. It really does, and it, 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 again, it just does not feel Canadian, except maybe why? the Catherine O'Hara part. But still, it doesn't feel Canadian. Why was there a song on the soundtrack by Billy Joel? I don't know because I didn't hear the Billy Joel song in the movie. I didn't hear I his didn't voice. I definitely can identify. A bunch of cheap trick songs. <laughs> um, yeah, I identified the cheap trick songs and the Lou Reed songs and the Iggy Pop song and definitely Earth, Wind, and Fire, but I did not hear Billy Joel anywhere in this movie. I'm pretty maybe sure it that's wasn't the, in the movie. Maybe that's the deleted scene. Who knows? Because, <laughs> because maybe it's not in the movie because if you ran this soundtrack, it would be longer than the movie. Yeah. So maybe maybe it's not in the movie. Maybe it didn't make the movie, but it's on the soundtrack for show. <laughs> oh, and apparently in the future, one, one one more note on this movie. Apparently in the future, electricity is a drug because that seems to be what's emitting from the Edison balls is electricity. So um, when you get exposed, when you're these mice, dog, whatever the fuck, hybrids, when you're exposed to con concentrated electricity in an Edison ball, 
it turns you into a goofy hippy dippy singer who basically is like up there singing like Blind Melon out of nowhere. Yeah, what happened with the, with them becoming the Carpenters? <laughs> it's just it's like they're up there like I love you, you love me, and I'm like, what the hell is this Barney shit going on all of a sudden? <laughs> yeah, what happened with that? With the like uh, all that they cut after that that the. That, yeah, they they become like non rock and roll, like like somehow like there's there's some analogy to like the man turning them into you know like like mainstream you know straight laced singers and they're like snap out of it you know we gotta we gotta fight the man <laughs> <laughs> we gotta go fight the mog we gotta go get him and oh god one another another thing when mog has his freak out when Angel tries seducing him and he catches her into it and, you know, refuses to sing and everything. And he's having his hissy fit in his closet full of wigs. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden it like became a moment from RuPaul's drag race right there. Out of nowhere. (laughs) It's like Lando's cape room. And so he has to smoke whatever he smokes. And it all of a sudden makes like one eye go all Disney melt out of nowhere and it's like if when he's smoking whatever this is that he's smoking to relax and calm his nerves he becomes a walking salvador dolly portrait all of a sudden and i'm just like going what the hell is he smoking i mean we know about the edison balls what the hell is that glowing stick that is you know all of a sudden making him melt like a clock in a salvador dolly picture I don't. I don't know what was happening in this movie a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> like, like all I, I, I they got they got drugged and thrown into a weird uh, wacky racer car that I'm pretty sure Snidely was driving at one point. And got out. But you know, here's the thing. You know, one thing that jumped out at me, and it's not important. It was not important to the plot of the movie at all, but I'm going to mention it. Mm-hmm. Is uh, Goofy Cobain's car when they went to get um, when they went to get uh, Debbie Harry from Bach? Mm-hmm. Goofy Cobain. They drove Goofy Cobain's car. Well, then they got drugged and thrown into the car, and then he made his giant dirigible fly off. And they were going to leave, but they're both drugged and just thrown into the front of the car. <laughs> So the drummer has to drive. Yes. But he doesn't know how to drive the car. But flash to five minutes later, and he's going, he's, he, he's terracing down to, to uh, Nuke York in a police car, and that guy's driving. Yes. What happened? That's what I want to know. <laughs> he's, he suddenly, I, I guess maybe when he got hit with the Edison ball, he suddenly got the knowledge. I mean, who knows? <laughs> The knowledge. The knowledge. Oh, and apparently, apparently, uh, the goofy, the, the 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 goofy henchman guy, apparently loves snipping sniffing feet, because don't forget when he went to go summon Angel and the rest of the band, they caught Angel and the Paul Lamat character making out in the car, and he starts sniffing her foot. Yeah, that's true. I was just like, "Oh, very Quentin Tarantino here." What the hell? <sighs> that was that was kind of a creepy moment. It was. It was. Yes, it, it was a weird movie. I liked it, but it was weird. Yeah. Well, this definitely sets up for our next series of movies, uh, which is uh, called uh, "Films That Are Inspired on Cocaine." Our next three films, however. You're not going to know what the title is yet, Andy and listeners, because I'm going to reveal it on the next episode, which will be us live at AllCon 2019. Sweet God. You're going to do this to me live. Yeah, I'm going to do it to you live. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'm going to do it to you in front of an audience. In fact, I'm going to hand you a copy of this film that we're doing next. Yeah, so. But we don't have to watch it there, right? No, 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 no. We don't have to watch it there. All right, because I have a method. I weep openly. (laughs) Like, there's a whole thing I do when I watch these movies you make me watch, so. Yeah, no, this one, no, this, this one, yeah, no, I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to do that to you at all, Con, because you got enough on your plate already, so. I mean, I appreciate that, because, like I said, you know, like, 
I have to do like, you know, I have to wash the, the clown costume three times after I watch a movie. So <laughs> you may have to add a fourth cycle after this one. Let's just say that. Oh, no. <laughs> so, Deep wash. so the the only hints that I will give you um, about the three films is the first one was made in 1978. Okay. Um, let's see here. When was the second one made? Hold on. Let me grab it here real quick because I have it here. Um, the second film was released in 1982, so we've got 1978, we've got 1982, and then the third film is from 1986. Okay, so all 80s. And all, obviously, the cocaine was involved somewhere in this oh. film, either... Yeah, baby. <laughs> Either in the script writing, in the directing, in the acting of the cast, or all of the above. Cocaine was involved heavily somewhere in these films. And two of the films, I'm not going to tell you which two, but two of the films it's been openly admitted was inspired or had cocaine involved. The third one has not been confirmed, but two of them, de two of them definitely has been confirmed that cocaine was involved somewhere in them. So that's like every movie from the eighties, though. <laughs> you seen Overboard? <laughs> Hard ticket to China. Yeah. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> every movie is a cocaine movie from the eighties. <laughs> Even Gandhi, believe it or not. I mean, that's the worst one. <laughs> The, the the last emperor. Oh my god! So much cocaine. More more than Scarface. Let me tell you. Listen, anything with the names Golan and or Globus. <laughs> Alrighty, so let's... Frank Langella. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, what? Robert Loja. Robert Loja. No, I'm telling you and I'm telling the audience that they need to watch that He-Man documentary. <laughs> it's on Netflix because there's nothing more sweet and devastating in the world than listening to Frank Langella wax poetic about the role of Skeletor. Oh, he, in... he still says that's the best role he's ever played. And <laughs> yeah. yeah um... Talks about it like it was like... Like he really like that was he he should have won something that apparently <laughs> was the pinnacle of his career. Uh, okay, yeah, why don't you wrap this up? I could talk about Frank Langella all night. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I I will say that that was the moment of the documentary when he started talking like that. I was just like, and that's why you don't date Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <clears throat> so uh, Billy never made it official. <laughs> So, Andy, tell our listeners um, about AllCon, because it's coming up in about a week, actually. It from is this. in about a week. Um, so, AllCon in, in Addison, Texas, at the uh, Crown Plaza, starting the 14th and running through the 17th. Um, it's a four-day convention. It is inexpensive. It is awesome. And you will never want more for four days in your life for entertainment. You will... It runs at the pace of rock and roll. Um, it seriously does. I mean, I wish I could have the day off after AllCon because I need a full day to recover. Yeah. And I'm not getting that this year because for some reason, um, for, for some reason, the day after is blocked at work. So I'm like, I really need the recovery. <laughs> it is out of control. And um, we think that's Great guests this year. They got like half of the cast of the original Battlestar Galactica, including Dirk Goddamn Benedict. Yeah, I can't believe they got Dirk Benedict. I was like, how Face the hell did you get Dirk Benedict? I mean, they've had Doug Jones. They've had some pretty big names. But I do think as far as it goes, Dirk might be one of the biggest that I know of in the 15 years that AllCon's been running. Mm -hmm. um, and... You know, as far as what we're going to be doing is concerned, you know, we've got we're part of the, the 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 game show track, and we've got God, I don't know how many hours. I think it, I think at last count, legitimately, it was like in a four day convention, we have forty eight hours of game shows running. Yeah, we've got we've got the game shows. We've got, of course, the 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 live taping of this show. Uh, there's going to be a couple of video presentations that's going to happen um, on. 
uh, Thursday is a free day, by the way, gang. Yeah. Um, oh, so, if you, so if you're still kind of on the fence about attending AllCon and you want to see what the fun is all about, admission on Thursday is free. And, and it's a full day. It's not a half-ass. No. Like, they, yeah. they go balls to the wall, too. Yeah, they, yeah. We we don't put like the shitty stuff on Thursday. Yeah. No, it's you, not our test day. No, it's real deal. You get a good taste as to what happens at all kinds. I and just to kind of give you examples of what's happening on that Thursday, we do have game shows that are going on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be presenting Shrek Retold, which is a fan film uh, telling of Shrek in its entirety. But done from done by two hundred different artists, where yeah. they each did a little segment of the film to retell it in their own way. It's batshit bonkers, and you have to see it to believe it. Um, there's you know not only the game shows, but there's also going to be you know some of the guests of the weekend are going to be there as well. There's panels about everything ranging from steampunk to Star Wars to Star Trek to Doctor Who to. Um, even uh, Kaijus and Dungeons and & Dragons and Cult Cinema. That night, they are going to uh, be having a <clears throat> geek drag performance, um, which is... I didn't know that! Yes, all that drag at 9 o'clock. It is... Um, what? Yeah, it is, it is a geek drag performance. Preferred seating is $25. Um... Uh, and then everything after I bought a ticket for this, I have to see this to believe it. Damn I want to prefer seating. Um, I'm literally going to be running from a panel about the art of riffing movies to this. <laughs> uh, so, and yeah, and if you want to see me riffing public domain Disney cartoons, I'm doing that on Thursday. So there's that going on, and then there's the drag show that's going on. And this is the first time that Alcon has ever had a drag show with professional drag uh, queens and drag kings. And then if that is not enough for you, there's an old-fashioned 1960s-style Playboy Bunny Bunny Hutch party going on where there's going to be people dressed as variations of Playboy Bunnies and Hugh Hefner for about three hours. It's, it's, uh, it, is, um, it is so surreal. Yeah. That thing, that party is so surreal. It's amazing. That's Thursday alone. That's not including the events happening on Friday, which includes you know uh, not only you know more game shows involving us and, and our show. Uh, there's also the Rocky Horror Picture Show going on that night. Onliners is that night. Onliners is that My first night. One, yeah. Uh, there's there's uh, there's going to be. Um, D&D playing for kids and adults. There's going to be game competitions. There's a lot more Star Wars stuff going on. We, For the first time ever, we have an escape room this year at AllCon that's themed after Alice in Wonderland. I'm all shit in it. <laughs> Was that Chris? <laughs> so we've got... We got that going on on Friday, on Saturday. <laughs> wow. Sorry, I made myself laugh. I held out as long as I could. <laughs> um, uh, on, on Saturday, uh, oh, also on Friday, there's also nerd karaoke going on as well. If you're, you know, I mean, on Saturday is Harry Potter Day, so there's going to be a room dedicated to Harry Potter activities. There's going to be old-fashioned Saturday morning cartoons. There's going to be, of course, the giant main event of the weekend, which is the costume contest. Um, more game shows, more panels, more celebrity guests. And then Sunday, which is usually you know seen on the, the last day of a con as just being kind of eh. No, not this case. That is no, Superhero no. Sunday. Uh, Superhero Sunday is when the the heroes and villain cosplay comes out. There's a whole competition about that as well. There's more game shows, more video presentations, more panels. There is over in in four days. There is no exaggeration. Over three hundred mm-hmm. activities going on in four days, and you will find yourself 
really having a hard time deciding what to yeah, do. Yeah, it pisses you off because you don't know. Either, usually you're just like looking for stuff or you wait in line at a, sh- at, a, at a show for the one thing that you paid the money for admission to get in and really do. Mm-hmm. With this, you're like, God, there's like four things I want to do right now. And I can't do it because yeah, I can't do them all, but <laughs> it's a good show though. I love yeah. it. All Con is definitely a blast and we highly recommend it. You can, you can get... Uh, you can still get passes. Actually, no, I think pre-sales have finished. Yeah, you actually. can get them at the door, though. Yeah, you can get them at the door. If you want more information on the convention, though, you can always go to allcon.org to get All more information. right? Yep, to get okay. information on the con. And, yeah, tickets will be available at the door. You can you can go for the whole weekend or you can go for a single day. I mean, they, they do have single-day passes as well. And um, we hope to see you there. There you go. All right. Well, let's get out of here and let these people calm down uh, after watching this movie. My name is Mock, and that's a lot. Hey, girls, watch my lips. They suck the cock. Oh, no. (laughs) I look hot, but I'm cool. Anybody want a beer? Gross. (laughs) All right, guys. Until next time, talk to you later. Why was everybody on roller skates?